Welcome to the Five Tool Firefighter Podcast. My name is Nick Higgins, firefighter and author of the Five Tool Firefighter book. Each week, we bring you an inspiring message or person to help you become the best version of yourself you could be. This journey is for the long haul, not the short. Now let's start our journey to becoming the best version of ourselves we could be. Welcome back to the Five Tool Firefighter Podcast. In the book, The Five Tool Firefighter, I have a whole chapter. I talk about fitness for duty. That's actually the title of the, of the chapter. And I talk on everything from flexibility to sleep to recovery to nutrition to your mindset. And that's what we're going to talk about on today's episode, except today I'm not going to do any of the talking on this. I'm actually just going to be asking questions and just kind of keeping the conversation going because I am really proud today. I support this organization and what they do for many years. I donate money to them every month because I truly believe in what they are doing to help first responders and their mental health. So today I have Chris Torres, next wrong, and the Gotcha Six Throwdown. And that's what we're going to talk about today. What's going on? Chris, man, welcome. Welcome to the Five Tool Firefighter. What's up, Nick? Thank you very much for having me on. Hey, man, it's, it's, hey, the pleasure's all mine. I, I am actually overly excited to have you here and definitely want to get the other guys on at one point as well to keep talking on. on oh, absolutely. We can definitely get a good little banter going with uh, myself, Blake, and Charlie. It's, uh, it's, it's definitely interesting. Absolutely. Three different guys from three different parts of the country with three different perspectives. Yep, and that, that's what it's all about, right? Just having that conversation. Absolutely, and that's, that's for a lot of guys. That's the hardest part is just talking. And yeah. one thing we do very well, is banter and talk, um, which unfortunately for a lot of guys is hard to do when it comes to things like, like mental health and physical fitness. Yeah. yeah, I feel like there's still a stigma behind even just uh, going out and telling someone to do some push-ups. That kind of is like, whoa, I'm not, you're calling me fat? I'm not doing the work now. I don't want to do that, but I don't want to talk about what's the, the big. The you. big thing is is uh, when it comes to the, the, the physical fitness part of it is, is – um. Forcing anybody or, or, or putting somebody in a position where it has to be done or it has to be a part of your day makes it more like a chore yeah. as opposed to maybe making it more of a habit and just incorporating it into, uh, into part of your day. And uh, that, that, that's, a, that's a shift in mindset that with IGY6 specifically is something that I, I, I've strived to do or I'm striving to do or at least accomplish on a much smaller scale. And it's, it's a long burn of a process. But it's something that, you know, eventually over time, I would like to, for it to become just part of people's daily routine and just part of their habit. And just it, it's about as common as somebody waking up and making their bed. That, that's ideally how I view the perspective of making fitness a habit. I mean, I, I agree. You, have you ever heard of, um, I'm sure you have, the make your bed speech from Adam yes. Craven? Yes. It's all in that same life. You make that a habit. You get up, you do these little, these little things every day drives your success for that day for that week it's an accomplishment it's it's if you do anything in that day you've at least made your bed you know dedicating and it doesn't you don't have to go to the gym two three hours a day and like i said i'm not saying anything that i'm not reinventing the wheel with anything i'm saying i'm just trying to make that wheel a little bit more presentable um you don't need to spend two or three hours in a day you know i mean the way i treat fitness i treat fitness in, in the lines of more of a sport but that's not for everybody an hour a day, moderate intensity, if we're looking just to maintain a sustainable, livable level of fitness is, is realistically what 
the average individual needs. Right. You know, I, I, um, I hear a lot of people, they talk about fitness. I know we're going on a banter right now, but that's what we do. Right. Um, I hear people talk, hey, I've been in the gym two hours today. I did this, I did that. And I'm like, what did you really gain out of doing that? Two hours. You know, did you have a goal going in there? Did you have a plan at all? And a lot of it's just like, no, I go in, I just do what I feel like doing. And, and for me, I actually have a little book that I keep. I break down my workouts. I track my workouts. I try to keep it where I'm not making it, like you said, a chore. And I'm making it just a habit that's part of my day and making sure I somehow get it in. Even if it's 10, 15 minutes, I have that amount of time today, get something in. And, and that's how I feel you could treat it as. A hundred percent. I mean, generally speaking, when it comes to the, I guess, the discipline behind fitness, usually it's the, the, the former athlete, whether it's former collegiate or professional athlete, that's a little bit more regimented in their take on fitness. It's a little bit more structured. Um, I mean, e even myself, I wasn't a high-level collegiate athlete. I played Division three ball uh, in the CUNY Conference, which is just an amalgamation of the City University of New York schools. It's a Division three conference. All be told, not the best baseball conference uh, in the country by any stretch of the imagination. But even at the, the lower levels of collegiate baseball, there was a structure to how everything was done. And it's a quote that, that for whatever reason, stay with my head, and it's by Tony Dungy. And I, I'm pretty sure he's not the first person to say it, but I remember him just because it was, it was a, a sports center feature. And his, his quote was, uh, a goal without a plan is just a dream. And when it comes to arbitrary fitness, I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with that. But there's the, 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 you might see a quick short-term benefit to it. But in the long run, if you're arbitrarily going and banging out, uh, Monday in for a, a lot of gyms is, is universal chest aid outside of the, the functional fitness world. If you're going in there just, just arbitrarily banging around weight, yeah, you might see a, a little bit of a game, but there's no point in doing the same weight over and over again for the span of, uh, of however long you wind up working out. Whereas simply just writing it down and, and giving yourself a small goal, whether it's, I don't know, you want to bench 135. After you hit 135, it's 185. Writing things down and having at least, that's not even a plan. That's just documenting your journey. If you have a plan, whether it's following a program, having someone write your programming, whatever it might be, sets short, immediate, sorry, short, intermediate, and, and long-term goals. So this isn't a condemnation of anybody who goes to the gym and just does whatever the hell they want. It, it, it's more so maybe give that same individual a little bit, put some tools in their toolbox so they can build something a little bit greater than where they currently are. And, and that's something I think that, like you said, people coming from a collegiate athletic background are more prone to doing those types of things and bringing that into areas where people aren't, the fitness thing is still new to the fire service. I believe it's still new. There's still departments that are still trying to figure it out. And firefighters still trying to figure that whole thing out and get in with the NFPA standards and, what they need to do as far as trying to keep themselves healthy. Um, it's a, it's a tough thing to do, especially when they don't come from those backgrounds. Right. And, you know, I've also played collegiate baseball and everything else. And I talk to some people sometimes and I have to kind of remember, I have to back up a little bit because I'm having that same conversation with them. And in my mind, like I'm over here, like 
this is what I've done since I was, well, I don't know, a kid. You know, right. so for me, it's just I, I know I have to get up. I know I have to exercise. Like, excellence is a habit, not a goal, you know. Absolutely. Make excellence your habit. Make it a habit to do the things you want to do to, to strive. If you want to be a great engine company firefighter, you're going to do those things to be a great engine company firefighter. Absolutely. So you got it. It's the same thing if you just incorporate a little fitness or just you don't have to go in there. Like, you don't have to go in there and, and look like Schwarzenegger or right. John Cena or Dwayne Johnson. You just have to go in there and do something that makes you feel good. A hundred percent. And a lot of that, a lot of that is, is a culture shift and the culture, a, a culture, or anything, whether it's, whether it's the firehouse, whether it's a team organization, your home life, the culture shift is usually the hardest thing to shift or to change. Cause when people are generally set in their ways, they, there's a level of comfort and familiarity and a break from that can sometimes make people immediately feel uncomfortable. And that's the same way with, with fitness and my take, not even my take, my, my approach on when it comes to attempting to instill a, a, a culture shift or a change in someone's mindset isn't to be that overly aggressive fitness guy who is going to shame an individual, refer to them as derelicts, or it's a dereliction of duty for them to, to, to change their mindset or have an alternate mindset. My thing is, is a, a big lead by example approach to it, where I'm not going to actively force my, my ideology or my, my, my habits or my own mindset on someone else. But if someone asks me for help, my, my point at that, my take at that point would be to give them whatever help they, they want, need, and request. And it's to be as approachable as humanly possible for a better choice of words, not to be the fitness dick who's going to tell somebody you Amen. have to do it this way. You're doing it fucking wrong. I'm so, I don't know if this is going to be edited or if, if dropping dead. F-bombs are cool. Dead. Fuck yes. All right. So <laughs> it is, is not to be that guy, but rather more so impart change or impart uh, a change in mindset an individual at a time. There was a movie years ago. And of course it, it had some some child star now who I, I can't remember his name but it was one person affecting three people and then those three people affect and instill a change in three more people it's a slow burn of a process but by being as emotionally supportive and positive in that process is going to help individuals want to change and then impart that change on other individuals I, I always I started looking at the approach and the same light with saying, you know, as a parent, and I have two, I have two kids. They're going to emulate, emulate what you do, not what you say. I could sit there and tell them all day long, stop touching the stove, stop jumping on the, on the table. Cause my son has a habit of climbing on tables and leaping off. Fair enough. But and Hey, he's a boy. He's going to do what he wants to do. You know, it is what it is. Until he falls down and hurts himself. Pretty much. But for me, if I'm going to tell him, let's go outside and play ball, and I'm just standing there watching him, what's he really going to do? He's not going to do it. He's not going to, he's not going to go out there and have fun. He's just going to goof off and do what he wants to do. So I always take a time where I, I take what I'm doing. I don't force him to do anything that I do. But if I'm going to tell him, if he sees me working out in, in our little gym in our house, 
I'm going to let him come in and take part in some capacity. You know, he wants right. to do his little stuff he learns in school. Hey, that's fine, but he's going to see me doing it. And the more he sees things being done, the more he's likely to pick up on it. They're really impressionable. Oh, that, like absolutely. Absolutely. And that same level of, uh, of impressionability that a kid's going to have toward a parent or any kind of authority figure, that's something that's that, that can be almost directly translated to a grown-ass man in the gym who has no idea what they're doing. Maybe not necessarily no idea what they're doing, but maybe they're new to fitness. Maybe they don't have the background, the, the, the knowledge of movement patterns, whatever it might be. That's why anytime I've ever programmed anything for uh, any one of my remote training clients or even for the in-person IGY6 sessions, it's either something I've done or mo- or a modified version of something I've done. I-, I-, I hate being that fitness guy where you have to do things. I say, again, the, the whole thing, do as I do, not as I say, yeah. or whatever that quote is. Something like that. Yeah, it's something along the lines of that. I, I used to think I was well-read. I guess not so much. But um, what, what it really comes down to is there's there's a lot of personalities online that'll that'll push a methodology, and then you look at them, and you're like, you, you clearly haven't done any of the shit you're telling me to do. And it could be as, as superficial as, you want me to do all this stuff to change my life, and I'm looking at you, and you're built like melted ice cream. It, it's You're obviously full of shit. And, and, and that's that's the one thing I want to avoid. So, I mean, it, it, it comes down to also looking the part, which is where, you know, not to toot my own horn or whatever it is, I'm a fit guy. You know, I, I take care of myself. I do post a lot of my workouts on, on, on social media. But a lot of the things that I'm doing on social media, a lot of the workouts I've done in some way, shape, or form have made their way to the, the emails of my remote training clients, in-person IGY6 or anyone who's ever asked me for a workout at all. It's something I've done first. And I think that's something that is lost in the fitness industry. And this isn't me throwing shade or, or, or coming at anyone else. That's just, just, just a fact of the matter. It, it, it's, it, it's how it is. And it, it, it's kind of a shame that there, there's figures within, especially within the firefighting space. And it's a goddamn shame that, no, you have to live like this way. You have to do this, that, and a third. And I'm looking at you, or anybody sees and be like, you might be full of shit, guy. And it it, it shows, and it, it's it's an epidemic within within not just the fitness industry, but in the fire service as well. Where you have somebody, some some big wig, uh, that's sitting on your board, whether it's a chief, uh, a, a senior firefighter, whatever it is, that bangs the fitness drum, but doesn't peel themselves off the couch to do any of what they're saying. So my thing is, I don't want to be that guy. If I say, listen. You know, on shift if you can, and I know there's 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 slow houses and there's busy houses, and there's there's everybody in between. If you could dedicate an hour of your day to reading, and then an additional hour to drill, and then an additional hour to maybe reading during a 24 or 72 hour shift, that's that's a drop in the bucket. So that's where the the, the culture shift comes in, and the whole idea of leading by example. And I do believe that starts from the top down, whether it is a chief, whether it is a senior guy, whatever it might be. Um, and, and that's, or even if you're a junior guy or, or middle management, whatever, whatever terminology it is, if you can be that person to at least do your best to instill a change, whether it is you're the big drill guy, whether you're the big fitness guy, or whether you're just a guy who, you know, may not necessarily be the best of shape, but when it comes to hands-on, you're the guy, everybody has something to bring to the table. So it doesn't have necessarily fall on one individual. It can be several individuals making one 
one unified culture shift within the firehouse. Absolutely. And I think that also makes for a really well-rounded oil firehouse when you have these different people coming in and bringing their, their, their knowledge to the table to better everybody else. Like, I'll learn something from a fitness guy, I'll learn something from a hands-on person. And now Absolutely. you're building that bond and that culture that necessarily wasn't there 10, 15 years ago because nobody wants to talk fitness, nobody wants to talk mental health, nobody really cared that on the side the senior man or the junior man has his own construction company and knows anything and everything about understanding how to take apart a building. 110%. You know, that's, that, just... that's invaluable information. That That's 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 the, the equivalent of, of life lessons, uh, at least in the uh, in regards to the fire service, pick, being, having the ability to pick somebody's mind and not being intimidated or afraid to um, is a big deal. Now, I, I know the big overreaching theme, especially when it comes to generations pointing at other generations saying that the next generation is, is too fucking soft is, is bullshit. All be told, if the next generation is quote-unquote softer, and by softer mean willing to, to speak about what they're feeling, their emotions, what they know, what they don't know, that's got to be looked at as a positive and less of a weakness. I agree. It has to be because you're telling them you're suffering. You, you, you don't talk about these things. You don't get yourself help. I'm going to go into the mental health side of it. You know, you're doing an injustice to those you're serving with, those you're serving, those you're working with, because you're trying to keep this this shield up all times. Eventually, you're gonna crack, and it's not gonna be good. If you're talking about it and getting it out there in some capacity. You don't have to have long, hard conversations with the people you work with, but just talking to somebody that you trust. Absolutely, and it it doesn't necessarily have to be in the context of a therapy session or just a, a long existential conversation with someone you work with and this is something that i learned in you know the the training that i've had oh sorry in the training that i've had um <clears throat> in the training that i've had working toward becoming a a peer support counsel which i am and the advanced training that goes along with it sometimes a a, a 10 to 15 minute conversation where you just kind of explaining a situation and just to someone who might understand, like so a, a firefighter talking to a firefighter, a cop talking to a cop, and the termination point of that conversation being, man, that sucks. That really blows, and I get it. Sometimes that's all the validation an individual needs. It doesn't necessarily need to be an hour-and-a-half conversation where you're really digging deep on some issues. It could be as simple as someone relating to what you're feeling, whether it's emotion, whether it's listen, I, I don't know how to operate in X, Y, and Z situation and it's messing with me and someone, someone saying, hey, listen, I, I get it. And that, that, that's, that's shitty. Let's work on it. Yeah. Someone, so, uh, the simplicity of someone understanding in the short term can make a world of difference moving forward. I mean, just hearing someone say, I get it. And just someone taking the time to listen means more to, to many people than someone sitting there and trying to have a, a conversation back to them or put their point of view out there. I just remember years ago, someone said, listen more, talk less, and you're going to see a positive change, not just in you, but in the people you're talking to. Absolutely. And that's um, the art of listening is 
and again, I, not my quote, but the art of listening is slowly dying because everybody wants to interject an opinion. Everybody wants to to have an answer. Everybody wants to be the problem solver. Whereas sometimes just, just and again, it, this is across the board. I, and I'm not, I'm not immune to it also. But sometimes having the ability to reel yourself in and just not say anything and just have a pair of open ears. Sometimes a person will be able to work through their own problems just by staring you in the face and talking. Or you get a different perspective on how this person is. It could be someone you may not necessarily get along with, like, or maybe even respect on a, on a much deeper level. But being able to sit there with two open ears and be able, and, and just kind of understanding their perspective helps you and them. But the, the idea of, of listening and, and learning from another individual is, is something that listening is tough. L listening objectively and, and not having an opinion about it or not willing to share your opinion on it, it is tough. And, and I'm sure that's something you've seen as well. Absolutely. Sometimes you're dying to say something back and you have to stop for a second and say, you know what, this person doesn't want my opinion. They don't want my advice. They just want someone to sound off on for a little while and just kind of know that they're listening or they're there for them. And Absolutely. And that's that's a big that was one of the hard, not the hardest thing, but I mean, listen, we're, we're on a podcast and we're talking. I have no problem flapping my gums. Um, that, that that's that's not an issue. The hardest thing for me, initially when I uh, I took I, I took my first handful of calls uh, as a member of the peer support network with Nextron, was not saying anything. And there was a couple of situations where I physically pulled myself back or, or, or reined myself in. And then there were situations where, and it was relatively new to me, where I didn't know what the hell to say. So I just sat there and tried to process. Okay. So it, it's the, the, the harder end of it is not speaking when you have an opinion, as opposed to you not knowing what the hell is happening around you and just trying to absorb. That's the easy part. It's very easy to to stay quiet in a situation you're uncomfortable in. That's it's it's like being called on in class. Everybody's raising their hand. You're hoping the teacher doesn't call on you with your hand down. Very similar situation. And that was that uh, if it's hard for me, it's 110% hard for other individuals. Oh, absolutely. It's it's very hard. I mean, there's times where someone's talking to me, I don't know what you're talking about, and I'm so okay. You know, I'm here for you and whatever I need to say to them. And there's times where I'm talking to people and they're like, "What the fuck are you saying?" Oh, 100%. I don't, a, I don't have anything to say to you, but I understand. And I'm sometimes getting mad. Okay? Say something to me. And then yeah. I, you know, at the end, you know, walk away. I'm like, Maybe they don't need to say anything to me. I feel better now because I got it off my chest. Or they maybe said one or two lines in the entire conversation. And those resonated with me after I sat back for a few hours and thought about what they said. So there's always ways to, to make someone feel good. Just by listening to them. Sometimes a nod and a smile is all someone needs. Yeah. A, a, a nod and a smile to someone who to someone who may not necessarily be great at conveying how they're feeling might be enough of validation that you understand your processing your information and you may not necessarily understand what they're going through, but you're listening and understanding that they're going through it. Yeah. Everybody's going through something. We don't, we'll never know. We don't even have to walk by the person today and they're going through something. We don't even know them. And they, 
look happy on the outside or they look miserable on the outside, but something good or bad is going through them at that moment in time. Absolutely. That's and again, it, it, sometimes it's hard to do because you people people are going through their own shit on a day to day basis. There's days where I'm going through it. You know, what I mean, like uh, like I started out my my journey with Netflix started out as somebody who needed help, and I got lucky enough and was I wound up speaking with Blake, who wound up now he's probably one of my best friends on on, on the on the planet. Um, and I'm sure that's going to gas up his ego hearing that once he hears this. But um, the easiest, the, the hardest thing to do is to, you know what? I can't even say it's the hardest thing to do. But it's the one thing to be conscious about is not being addicted to someone because you don't know what they're going through. Like, you, I mean, there's, yeah, there, there's there's ball breaking that goes on in the firehouse. And there's, there's banter. There's guys, there's guys just, just, you know, playfully ganging up on each other. But you know, quote unquote, laying into someone or, or giving someone the business, sometimes e- either prior to or even after the fact of, of it occurring, take it's tough for someone to take the step back and ask themselves, right, listen, what does this person have going on at home that I don't necessarily know, right? That that That's the hard part is taking a big step back and sizing up the situation, be like, all right. I just gave this guy the business. I also didn't know that he's going through a divorce at home. Maybe that explains why he's as lethargic or lack of energy in the firehouse as he is, or he may not seem like a a, a big step up guy or who he's very to himself. I I think that gets lost in a group of individuals casting an opinion on an individual without being like, all right, what's this guy going through? You know, and I, I, I could pretty much, the situation I just laid out is the situation I was going through. Um, leaving names, companies out of it, the whole nine. You know, when I made a move to where I was, to a, I had transferred from uh, one firehouse to another. Uh, I had gotten there, and being the new guy all over again isn't the easiest thing in the world. Couple that with a marriage that was going down the shitter real quick, and then eventually that that plug being pulled or or that ticket being punched where you know we're now on the court not on the course of divorce but we're actively i did not mean for that to run uh going down the road of divorce and then it actually occurring and you're going through it divorce is happening you know the the inability i can't even say the inability because people react to what they see and what and and what they what they notice on a day-to-day basis but you know, getting X, Y, and Z talking to or having guys just, just, just F with you and, and mess with you and them not, and again, it's also, I can maybe take a little bit of blame on that one and say, listen, guys, I'm kind of going through it right now. Back the fuck up. I could very easily have done that. But when you're going through it, you know, so there's a lot of people, and I'll use myself as that example, where I'm not going to use that as an excuse. What I'm going through is, is my business and let me deal with it. The problem with that is I've just went from dealing with my situation to internalizing, which goes to the idea of being too tough to talk about it, right? Me going through it at that point would have been a lot easier had I known that someone else either empathized with my situation or um, understood it because they just went through it. And 
I'll be honest, I'm not sure how we got down this rabbit hole. This turned into like a therapy session real quick. But the overreaching theme, theme is, okay, here we go. The ability to, to understand what another person is going through, for me, that would have made a world of difference. Somebody be like, yo, Torres, dude, I get it, man. You know, me and my ex-wife went through a divorce and it got ugly real quick. At that point, I would have immediately felt better. And I'm not saying my mindset or my attitude or anything I was doing would have changed at that point. But it definitely would have made me, at least for a hot second, it would have made me feel better. Just knowing that somebody been in that same situation, you're not the only one. Because there are times where you know we're all like that. We're thinking what we're going through right now. We're the only one going through it. I've been in situations in the same, in in where I had, I had a breakdown in the firehouse one time years ago. I broke down and just was like, can't take it. Everybody's busting my balls on things, just getting out. But I had stuff going on in my personal life that. You know, I, I kept quiet, and uh, one of the guys took me outside and just said, what's up? That's all he had to say, and I just flooded out the diary of the mouth and just started crying. Five minutes later, took a walk around the block, came back. I was like, man, I feel better. I feel better. When I'm back inside, I was like, you all right? I'm like, yeah, I'm good. Let's just get back to what we're doing. Let's sit down. Let's eat whatever we're doing that moment. I don't even remember. I, everything's I, I, just, um, I would have killed for that experience. I would have. And again, I'm not blaming anyone or anything because how is anyone supposed to know anything if you don't tell them? Yeah. Or if there's no indication or if somebody doesn't already know? I would have loved to have that situation where, like, like you had, where somebody just said the right thing and you just lost it. Maybe not. I mean, at the firehouse is a tough place for that to happen just because now you got to kind of regather yourself and come back to center and be ready to do work. But you going through that, I, I would have sure. loved to have that same experience. It was interesting. I actually see that guy from time to time now. And I'll say to him, man, like things you said to me back in the day, I couldn't stand your ass at times. <laughs> you were just like a jerk. But oh, man, I know exactly. You know, which, okay, no, no, yeah. I guess. He always knew. He always knew how to read things off of somebody. and say, like, hey, hey, let's cut it out. And just knew. And I always felt that he was the type of person that was kind of trying to pick on people. He was an older guy, big guy. He just liked to have fun, but he also knew when it was time to cut it out and could read when somebody was having that moment that they needed to just let's pull them away from the situation. Even everybody else is having fun with it, that person doesn't feel like they're having fun anymore. Right. So, you know, I actually talked to him the other day, ironically, which is crazy. I ran into him and uh, we were having that conversation. But yeah, now no, I'm going to flip the script a little bit more. Sure. If you don't mind. No, let's do it. So now we're going to get to the I got your six. Yes. How did that come about? So um, I do Y6. And I know people, I know a vast majority of people understand what that means. But I do Y6 is just it, it, it's terminology for I got your back. Right. And as first responders, we functionally we do have the back of the community. We're backing up our community. We're serving them in any way. Whatever needs they have, we're there for them to fall back on and lean on. So that's just the, the, the breakdown of the name itself. And funny enough, as I was thinking, I knew I wanted to start some kind of more hands-on approach to first responder fitness. That was the first name that, I, that popped up for myself. And then I ran through a few others and the other ones just sucked. So I rolled with the name IGY6. But my the story of why I kind of got, I decided to step into that space was I was working 
with a, a another non-for-profit at the time and i wasn't necessarily i wasn't necessarily a fan of their approach to to fitness or all be told the way people were treated as a whole within that organization it was i felt it was it, it was very egocentric very ego driven where it was one individual and then that was it that one person had to shine um and suggestions were were not necessarily taken into account and if they were it was it was for a better choice of words, there was a lot of bullshit that I didn't enjoy and I wanted to be a little bit more hands-on. So I, I decided to walk away. I took a gamble on myself. And the one thing I wanted to do was instill a small change on a bigger scale. The whole idea of a, a, a shift in mindset. So fitness has been a part of my life in some way, shape or form for a very long time. I, like I said, I've been a collegiate athlete, but fitness more specifically functional fitness and CrossFit came into the equation probably right around 2010, 2011. And then I had taken the fire department test in 2012, saw the score that I got in a test. I was like, Oh man, this is a very, very real possibility. Let me get it together. So I was working for Reebok at this point on the NHL side of things at the store over on Avenue of America's, I believe it was on 47th. And this is right around the time the Reebok and CrossFit partnership had taken off. I just did P90X because I was tired of being the fat friend. That's what it really came down to. I was a, 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 in, I was the, the tubby kid in a group of friends who were just jacked, shredded. Um, so I was like, all right, I, I got to stop looking like this. Let me let me do something about it. Um, got into the functional fitness space with CrossFit, working for Reebok and their, their initial Fit Hub store concept and, and fell in love with it. So fast forward... Probably, I got from the job in 2014, fast forward maybe three years where I was kind of at my wits end with the situation I was in. I was like, I can't just give people the means and not show them the how. I can't give people, it's like giving, it's like giving somebody who, who's never driven a car before, uh, a Humvee or a Corvette, any one sports car, and be like, all right, that's an, a manual transmission at that. Okay, go drive it and figure it the fuck out. That yeah. didn't work. It, it's not going to work. People who don't know what they're doing or, or put in a high-stress situation, the first thing that happens is they're immediately discouraged. So the one thing I wanted to build, and luckily I was working out of a facility that was all for it. They're like, absolutely. There was a, a decent first responder community at this place. So it was, let's teach people what fitness is, and more importantly, how to move, proper movement patterns, what to do, what not to do. Let's give them a blueprint. Let's give them, let's give them an introductory education on fitness. For, and what the idea is, once they understand it better, one, when people start to ask them questions and they're enthusiastic about it, that will slowly start to spread. Like, and just like, like a really, really good virus. With you know fitness being that that virus that that positive change in mindset, so that's pretty much how that whole situation started back in 2018, um, and I I aimed it more so at people attempting to get on the job, just because the, the beautiful thing about social media is that there's a group for everything. There's a group of people who are who are trying to get control of their fitness, trying to get on the fire department, police department, 
Uh, they want to be in shape before they go into boot camp, whatever it might be. And uh, we're just, hey, listen, I'm doing this thing out of uh, out of uh, a gym in Coney Island. They, it ha- unfortunately, it has since closed Coney Island Fitness, which was a phenomenal place to be. And that parlayed itself into people. It went from me seeking people out to word of mouth and people started to seek me out. And the idea is that I never wanted anybody to be intimidated by anything that happened in the gym. Or more specifically, that gym. So I tried to make things as easy as possible. I, yeah, I, I hated being called sir. I still hate being called sir. I hate being called coach. Walk into the gym. My fucking name's Chris. Chris, listen, I don't get it. What's going on? Raise your hand. There's no such thing as a stupid question. If there is a stupid question, I'll break your balls, but I'll answer your question. I, I, I wanted to be not necessarily a fitness guru. That was never my goal. I never wanted to be the face of a brand, the, the face of the brand, I wanted to be the people who are able to get on this job and speak about it positively and say, hey, listen, their experience started with this guy, but let me show you what he showed me. Um, and fast forward five years, we've had that impact on a, about 25 New York City firefighters, 10 cops, a, 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 a fair amount of people who found me through, through our social media uh, channels who I've done programming for. And even then, the programming's been, here's two weeks of stuff, but we're going to meet every Sunday on FaceTime or whatever it might be, and we're going to talk this shit out. So the the approach that IGY6 has taken has been a very personal approach to an introduction into the first responder community. That was a whole lot, but this is something that has been a labor of love. My, my goal was to never get rich off of IGY6, and I am the furthest thing from being rich because of IGY6. I genuinely love what I do, the people I've come in contact with, and what it's allowed me to now do in taking on a larger role with Nextrum. And how did that, I mean, that's phenomenal about how the IGY6 came about. And, you know, sometimes you wish that there's more of that around this country to really help the first responder and help anybody, really, because you could help anybody with the stuff that you're doing. Right. Uh, as a right. as a uh, one thing I said is I'm not reinventing the wheel. I'm not going to take a, a tool or, or something like that, that that's worked for millennia. And I'm, I'm not putting, I'm not doing anything different that other smarter people haven't already done. What I am trying to do is take what those smarter, more, I can't even say more qualified because um, I do have my share of certifications that I'm coaching for what are we in 2023 now? I've been, I've been in the fitness industry since 2011, 2012. Um, take what other people have done and make it more relative and more functional to what the first responder community and the rigors of their body or what the, what they're more likely to incur in the field and the rigors that that brings with it to a more relatable, more relatable way. So like I said, I'm not doing anything that someone else hasn't at least thought of doing or isn't currently doing. And there are definitely other good first responder fitness organizations out there i'm just trying to be another tool or another means for someone to be able to do well absolutely you know more of the, the more help they can get more opinion the more different looks on things also help people people absolutely as well. how did you get hooked up because we supported the firehouse review actually we supported the first uh throwdown but how did you guys get linked up with with each other to start these so I mentioned earlier that I had gone through uh, 
I can't even say it was a, a bad divorce. All be told, relative to other guys' stories, my divorce was a, a, as cut and dry as it can get. But like I said, what what is and again, this is another thing that I learned with Next Wrong is that what what's affecting someone in one way is going to affect somebody totally different. So the magnitude of which doesn't matter. It's more so what that how that individual interprets and feels it. So Blake, Blake, you handsome, handsome son of a bitch. Um, <laughs> we. Aside from him helping me with uh, me me going through my own journey and, you know, my own personal shitstorm is also a big CrossFit guy. You know, he enjoys the sport. He gets into it. He's very competitive, even though he tries to play off that he's not. He's uber competitive in the space. So aside from talking about whatever I was going through, usually the parlay into that would be, hey, bro, well, uh, you know, what was today's blog? What'd you do? What'd you hit? Uh, what program are you following? How's it going? And probably this is the third year of throw So we'll say roughly four years ago, he threw the idea to me of, Hey man, what do you think of, you know, you know, you seem to use the gym as, as an extra piece of your therapy. You push yourself in the gym as an outlet, right? What do you think about maybe putting together an event that would highlight the marriage or bring more to light the idea. And we, we've, we've thrown it out there a little bit uh, on a couple of pieces of apparel, just because we do believe it to, to, to be something that's very to the idea of strong mind, strong body, where you're going to train your mind and your body as one, because one can't exist without the other, you know, and he threw it to me and I was like, man, that's, that's not a bad idea. I've kind of kicked the tires on, on doing something for it. And again, right about this is when I um, kind of come out of that rough situation. I had met my now wife. So so things were on a, a nice upswing for me. I was like, you know what? The best way for me to pay back next wrong. Because at this point, the idea of me being a peer counselor was, was not even a thought because I was still dealing with my, my own shit. The best way I could help them would be to give them the resources they needed to help other individuals. So the, the fitness space was my, th was in my opinion, you know, between me and like that, that, that was my domain. I, I compete actively in CrossFit. I had done the open with the exception of one year of me tearing up my shoulder. I had done the open every year with the exception of the October 19 open. And that's how that whole idea came together. Hey, let's, let's get the first responder community together as well as the community at large, bring them together let, let, let's, let's throw down for a reason. And one thing I learned early on is that CrossFitters, functional fitness athletes, the public as a whole, they'll work out for something. So the idea is let's give them something to train for and tell them where it's going. Right. A lot like, you know, again, not, not to point fingers or anything else, but like events like Cycle for Survival are awesome. The, the proceeds for those events go to Memorial Sloan Kettering. And that's pretty much the last you hear of the money. And I'm sure that money 110% goes to cancer research, which is phenomenal. With Next Wrong, and that this was a big draw for me to want to continue to work with them, is we will tell you where every MF and dollar goes. There is complete transparency. So yeah, uh, we're combating the health, the we're, we're combating the epidemic of the mental health crisis within the first responder community. And here's how. This is what we're doing. This is what it goes. This is what this costs. 
So that's how the throwdown ultimately came together was my 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 wantingness to pay it forward and pay it back. And that probably into me doing a lot more with Next Strong and meeting some cool people along the way. It's a, it's a, I mean, the first year you did it up in Coney Island, I believe it was. It was in Coney Island at Coney Island Fitness, and we did an online throwdown as well, which we'll be yeah. doing again. This year you're doing um, Connecticut, I think there's on there. Or yeah, so um, the second year was back in Brooklyn and in Georgia at Blake's Box, which was a three-partner, a three-person event, which was awesome. It was a great time. Me and Blake partnered up. It was a phenomenal time. Met some phenomenal people, great people, very polite people, which, you know, come from Brooklyn, New York, and you listen, you're not too far away from me either. You don't realize how, how nasty people can be to each other until you leave New York State or the tri-state area. Um, this year, we went from two events to four really, really quick. So we have on May 13th, the event's going to go, actually, it's, a, as of this recording, it's just about a month away at Columbia CrossFit in Columbia, Connecticut, which is just outside of Hartford. The next week, we're back in Georgia in Covington. We're going to do a partner event this year down at CrossFit Unyielding at Blake's Place. And then fast forward, July 22nd. Oh, sorry. July. Oh, man, I really should know these dates. It's in July, July 8th, I believe. Um, God help me in CrossFit Future. I apologize if that date is off a little bit. But I believe July 8th, we're going to be in um, Black Lake, Ohio, which is just outside of Columbus, for another throwdown. And then July 22nd. Uh, we're in Long Island, so we, we're doing four events. We, you know, there there is the potential for maybe one or two additional throwdowns this year. But what went, what initially started as one event three years ago has grown into four events with people and an online throwdown. And we're doing something different for, the, for that online portion this year. We're partnering with um, uh, an awesome, awesome fitness programming company and I'll leave their name out of it because I kind of want them to I want them to be the ones to, to, to roll it out he's an awesome guy but it, it's it, it's kind of grown legs and become something that I never thought it actually was I figured maybe the throwdown would be a one-off and we'll, we'll come back the next year and, and regroup and it's done more than that it's it, it's kind of become a, a little monster unto itself which is awesome I mean when I saw you guys post it this year I was like whoa it blew up. I mean, the first year I was wasn't able to be there, but I mean, I was just stoked to just be able to, to somehow just donate and help out the way I could, and see that it's been blowing up. I mean, I could see this thing going nationwide at some point, just because you got them <coughs> California departments, and there's a lot of CrossFit out there down south, Texas, and Arizona. So, and that's that's a perk of maybe fitness becoming more not a, a perk, but that's just I, I guess the best way to describe it, a fringe benefit of fitness and more specifically functional fitness within the last decade growing the way it has is that it the one th the one big sell that CrossFit has over say and again I use CrossFit just because I I understand it's a brand name it's in and a lot of gyms license it but that CrossFit and functional fitness does is it does develop a community. And those communities do rally around those who help them, whether it's it's frontline workers, you know, nurses, doctors, whatever it might be. And people have a soft spot for firefighters, you know, and, and, and law enforcement. And people will go to bat to make sure that the people who help them have what they need to deal with their own shit, which is which it, it's it's a beautiful thing. And 
like I said, three years ago, you couldn't tell me that this event would go from one to two to four with the potential for a fifth and a sixth city getting involved and this potentially going nationwide. It's it, 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 it kind of speaks to a larger culture shift, however slow it may be, that's occurring within the first responder community. And it's a beautiful thing. It certainly is. It, it absolutely is a beautiful thing. And it, it really shows the power of what people can do when they want to come together for a good cause and how they can really, really become a community. And absolutely. show how tight the, the first responder community really is. But sure enough that people aren't even involved in the first responder community are involved with events like this because of that soft spot that they have and how much they truly cherish what we do for them. hundred percent. And it's showing, especially in my department, FDY has a CrossFit team now and other departments are developing CrossFit teams, competitive groups of, 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 of fitness nuts and fitness fanatics that are coming together for a common cause. So it, it's, it's not just conjecture and saying that fitness is becoming uh, more along the forefront, but there's teams and, and groups coming together, being involved in this fitness movement, in this fitness-centric movement. And it's, it's just proof positive that it is growing. And it's something that I'm proud to be a part of. I'm with the FDY CrossFit team. Um, and we're, you know, with, we're in the process of, of setting up events against other departments, something that Hedgie told us a decade ago, hey, you know, CrossFit's going to be department versus department at some point. The way, you know, it's, it's cops versus fire and hockey and baseball and football, whatever it might be. I would have been like, oh, that's a great idea. Not knowing that, you know, fast forwarding a few years, that would become more of a reality. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's really growing and people are embracing it more. You're seeing a lot of people from all walks of life joining these, joining these boxes and, and becoming. Absolutely. You know, I, I haven't, I, I keep thinking, should I do it? Should I join it? Should I get one? I mean, there's not one around by me. So, I mean, it's, right. it's a little far out from where I live. So, um, you know, I've always thought about it, but just to, to find one that's relatively close to my house is it's kind of hard. I don't know why. It just seemed like a lot of stuff been shutting down around here. Uh, I mean, one of the most fickle businesses out there are, is the fitness industry. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, opening a gym is a great idea until you actually open a gym and realize, damn, this this place is a little bit of a money pit. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, like I said, it, it, fit, fitness and, and functional fitness isn't something that has to take place straight up at a functional fitness facility I mean, you see it, the crunch fitness has a full as far as i know at least the ones i've seen have full quote-unquote functional fitness areas so the the mainstream the quote-unquote mainstream fitness industry is understands like all right listen this isn't just a fad you know it, it, it's not like those fitness movements where you're going to bounce on a trampoline for a half hour no this is something that actually has more importantly a basis in science and is viable financially Absolutely. It's good for your health overall. It's good for the long term of your body and your mind. And that's something that science and they're proving out. They're proving that this is very good for you. Even in its worst iteration, even if it's across the gym is, is quote unquote programmed poorly in its worst iteration, functional fitness slash CrossFit, you will see an improvement in your fitness and general athleticism. Right now, if you find a place that that programs properly and takes into account all facets of fitness, then then you're winning twice. You're you're 110 percent 
winning twice. The, the, the goal ultimately is to find a gym that has proper programming, attentive coaches, and all be told, you know, the ratio of coach to clientele doesn't exceed eight to one or 10 to one where you're going to be able to get that attention. And sometimes it's hard because like, like anything else in life, there's great gyms and then there's shit gyms. Um, the beautiful thing about fitness though, is the more time you spend in it, the more time you realize what is quality versus what is bullshit. Absolutely. You see that a lot, even with people with trainers, you know, I used to be a personal trainer for uh, early fitness many years ago. And I was always told when I started training, I was kind of new what I was doing. And I would just start asking questions with the other trainers. Hey, you know, help me out here a little bit. Yeah, I certify and I'm an athlete and everything else, but engaging clients and making sure I'm getting to what they want, I'm getting their goals and not pushing this agenda on them. How do I do that? And they said the flat out don't, like you said earlier, look at who's training you, look at what they're saying, look at what they're doing behind the scenes. Are they just pushing what the book says just so they can make a couple bucks? Or they really truly believe in what they're doing and they actually live that lifestyle. And and that's how I started trying to engage people and started to like, I'm not going to tell you what you have to do because I think it works, but I have to try to get to know you on another level to understand what's going to work for you. And not just, I'm not going to have you do the same workouts I do because it might not work for you, but I have right. to kind of get to know where you're at. Uh, 110%. And this isn't a shot at the, at the full-time fitness professional. Because the full-time fitness professional has to make a buck to survive, right? Some of the best coaches I've had have been the part-time coach that doesn't necessarily need the money that they're making in the gym to survive. It's more so like, listen, this is a side job to offset my costs. Those are the people I've found in the past have been the most attentive coaches. One, because they want to be there, not because they need to be there. And that's – that's um. And again, that probably flies in the face of, of, of a lot of fitness professionals. And I, I'm definitely going to, I'm probably going to catch flack from my, my colleagues who are 110% full-time trainers. But listen, the, the best coaches I, I've had have been, you know, cops and firemen first and, and trainers second. Yeah, I, uh, when I first ever walked into a gym, I was uh, an actual job, like a high school gym. I was right out of high school, graduate high school, I was going for college baseball. And I needed somewhere to work out. Like I had all the stuff to play ball. I was fine. I, I had the, I had the cages. I had the, I had the people around me. I could do the actual baseball skills. Right. But I was small. I need to put on some size and I need to stay in shape. Cause I just came off a broken, a broken tibia or fibula. Ooh. So I need to do something. So I did the aquatic workouts and my, my mom found this gym. It was a summer. You could pay $99 for the summer. And it was a, it was a power lifter gym out of all places. Only gym around. And he hooked me. She said, you know, can he have a personal trainer? He doesn't know what to do. He doesn't want to come in here. And I got this monster of a man. This guy was so big. I was intimidated when, I, when he walked up to me, but he was the nicest guy. And he said, all right, what are you looking to do? I said, I'm going to college to play baseball. But I don't know how to work out. You know, I always had coaches telling me what to do. I don't know what to do. So he's like, neither do I, because I never played baseball. I'm a power lifter. But he put me through a little bit of just kind of get to know my body a little bit. He was part-time. He was a full-time, I think, the finance industry or something. I don't remember what he did. He would study what baseball players, what the workouts they went through on his own during work hours. Bring it back to the gym and put me through unilateral workouts, which I've never done before. Doing these different things off a Swiss ball, which I'm like, man, this is hard. 
Tulsa. When I step foot in center field for the first time on a college field, I was like, oh, my God, my body can move because I'm out fresh. Like, I'm training it, doing it, shagging balls, doing my workouts. But actually having to be there in a game and having that reaction time and doing these different things, they're like, where'd you put on that size? In three months, you put on all this size. He never pushed supplements on me. He just said, water, and this is what you're going to eat. That's That's all you're going to do. If you want to take a vitamin, he told me a couple of vitamins to take. And it was straight vitamins you can get at any, any pharmacy, any, any store. He's like, you're not going to sit here. You're not being a power lifter. You're not doing things you need. You cannot be that big to be a baseball player. If you're too big, you can't move. Yep. And I'm just like, okay, whatever you say, I'm going to do. And from there on out, I'm just like, this guy wasn't a full-time trainer. He was a power lifter that took himself out of the powerlifting community every couple days to talk to a guy who played baseball. Right. I learned a lot from him, and he said in turn he learned a lot from me on how to train other clients. So I'm That's like, awesome. This was like an awesome opportunity. I'll never forget that guy. I never saw that, him ever again. That that's I huge. Guy Not a lot of people want to do their homework, right? Like I mean, they, it kind of kind of goes back to a non first responder training a first responder for what they're going to go through, right? Yeah. The easiest thing in the world, and because it's a, it's a national thing, and I don't think there's too much variance across the country, and I, I could be wrong, because again, my, my experience is limited to what I know in the city. The CPAT, it's, it's easily accessible. So it, it, it tickles me when, because the first thing I'll always ask somebody who is about to train with me or has been training in the past, all right, listen, what have you been doing before? And like, oh, well, you know, I've been getting ready for the CPAT. I've been working with the trainer. Oh, what did this person have you doing? And I, I hear some of the stuff they have them doing. I'm like, fucking why? Yeah. It, it, it's it, the easiest thing to do is to, is to look up the CPAT and, and realize it's 110% push-pull drag, right? So for a, a trainer who's a power lifter, and you're right, because you can't be I mean, listen, you can be a big dude in baseball and, you know, enjoy being a DH most of your life. I mean, guys like Matt Stairs, who was an absolute brick of a man, but but couldn't move five feet in either direction. That's great. But for this guy to actually go go home, do his homework and be like, all right, you need to develop explosiveness on your back half. You're a pitcher. Great. Phenomenal. Be ready for a lot of unilateral single leg jumps, a lot of balance and coordination drills. Fantastic. You know, that, that's the same kind of homework that has to be taken in. Like, I'm not going to train a fireman the same way I'm going to train a cop. Could I? Absolutely. Would it work? Would it, would it transitionally work? If they would get in better shape. I can't say it's going to make them better at what their academy is. Because all be told, I, I, I'm familiar with their entrance test. And that's about it. Because all be told, once they get in the academy, you know, they're spending the next, I think, what, NYPD is, what, six months, give or take. And then they're spending the next year learning their job. I might not see these people again for a full 18 to 24 months afterwards. So the only thing I could do is train somebody based on what their most immediate need is going to be. For some people, that's going to be, all right, you know, you're, you're, you're 20 pounds over and you're having problems breathing. All right, well, listen, we're going to help you drop weight. we got to build your rub capacity. These are all things that 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 are lost in the fitness industry. The, the industry, the, sorry, the, the ability to just, do some research, open a fucking book and figure out what somebody needs 
is lost for a powerlifter to team. Oh damn, for a powerlifter to. Sorry guys, my my uh, camera just fell, so the oh damn wasn't uh, exasperation. Um, for a powerlifter, and there's not a lot of transition outside of maybe squat and deadlift. Uh, from the powerlifting perspective, it's going to transition well to baseball or any other sport for that matter. For this guy to go out and do his homework is is a big deal. And fitness professionals as a whole, that's something that needs to be done. Even for someone who's trying to get in shape and doesn't have a trainer and you're looking to get in shape, open a book. There are plenty of resources out there, not just on movement, but on mindset. And, and those are two things that are absolutely lost within the fitness space. Oh, absolutely. I, I totally agree. I mean, some of the stuff that I learned that summer, I still do today. I'll go back and I'll, I still do them. I, I love doing a lot of unilateral movements and training my body to make my mind train that way too. And really test my limits as far as I can with keeping each side balanced out properly. And he had me do a lot of resistance bands and I still use a lot of resistance bands today because I don't know what he did for me. But I never felt so strong when a ball would pop off my bat the way it did. And I wasn't hitting like that before. Right. Just with that, with some tweaks in my mechanic a little bit. You know, my dad helped me a lot. Different adjustments. He even said, man, that ball's popping off your bat. It's just you have your, your hands are a lot quicker. Whatever this guy's doing for you in that gym, he really took the time to dissect what you need to do. Because he even asked me, what position do you play? And I said, I play the outfield. Okay. Give me another day. We're back here in two days and I'll have a workout for you. That's awesome. Everything was written down. He had a notebook. He gave me the notebook. This is your workouts, handwritten. This is That's how we awesome. recorded. This is what you're going to do. And I was like, whoa. If you know, more people are like that and everything they do. And that's that's the beautiful thing. I mean, he, he didn't give you a generic template and say, here, go follow this. Not that there's anything wrong with that. If you're in the functional fitness CrossFit space, and there are plenty of of I, the better choice. I can't think of a phrase but like a big box fitness program, whether it's Mayhem, Comp Train, whatever it is. There's plenty of stuff out there where somebody with a working knowledge of what to do can do. Yeah. But the ability to sit down and make something personal for an individual is is an invaluable education in how to move. And like you yeah. said, like you said, th this is stuff that was tailored for you, and this is still things. And, and movements that you're doing current day, which means that whatever this guy did left an impact, okay. right? And gave you the knowledge of, of how to move, which is, uh, which is, which is the ultimate goal or should be the goal of any trainer. And again, this flies in the face of, of what the fitness industry and what personal trainers want. The goal of any personal trainer should be to put your client in a position where they do not need you anymore, right? It's unpopular because that means a revenue stream is gone. You know, the, my goal is to give these people, whomever these candidates are, the ability to come into my gym or a session with me. Here are the pieces. Go. You don't need me anymore. I'll answer whatever questions you have, but you know enough where you can build this building and, and, and build this foundation and build this skyscraper your, your goddamn self. You're good to go. And that's what this guy did too. And this is what I want. And this is more important. This is what I need to be to other people. Because like I said, if this was about me getting rich, I would keep every client I had on an umbilical cord and made sure they needed me as opposed to, no, no, no. Listen, here are the ingredients for this meal. Cook it this way and go. Yeah. Just goes to show, same thing in a firehouse. You know, you're training your replacements. 
give them enough that's, information so they can go on and, and be their own, be their own crew, take their own yep. jobs. Yep. So it all goes hand in hand at the end of the day. But yeah. out of curiosity, where'd you play college ball? Just because you brought it up and I'm, I'm curious. I played on a junior, junior college level. Where? For, in uh, Middlesex County. Oh, Middlesex. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I played with guys who played for Middlesex years yeah. ago. Years ago, I played there. I played for one year. Um, school was kind of the coach had a strict policy. Um, so, Fair enough. Hey, so I, I was kind of goofing off academically. Um, weren't we all at one point? I had to play the year and just said, "Hey, you know, I got to focus on my studies for a little bit." I went back. I played some other other leagues as well um, right. down the road. Uh, went out for the independent league before. I don't know if they were still around. Uh, had a contract offer for one team, and I, I didn't take it. But it is what it is. You know, I like what I do now, so I can't complain. Oh, uh, yeah, anything, it's pretty cool. You know, so. And, you know, some of us still get to play baseball. You know, so I, I, I play with the uh, the fire department team as well. So I'm able to kind of, for me, that's it's a marriage of three worlds come to one. Fitness, baseball, and the ability yeah. to provide for my family, which is awesome. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. So we've been, we've been going for over an hour now. Just over an hour. We talked on Jeez. everything. I think, we, I think we covered more than I thought. I didn't think we yeah. didn't even get into everything we went into, but hey man, there's always room for a part two. Hey man, uh, there's an email. I think Tom emailed you about station talk. That's our other podcast. It's a podcast we do together. Oh, uh, he I got his flip through my email, but well, uh, hey, I think he, or he might have. He might have. I think he did. I don't remember. Um, if not, I'll have him send something out. He wanted to have you on. That's a video one that goes on YouTube. Can really uh, listen, go on there. I'm 100% down for whatever. I, I like I said. <laughs> Just real man. If I start going too far off the rails or on enough of a tangent, just pull me the fuck in. <laughs> it's all right, man. We enjoy it. That's why we do it. That's our, you know. So, if people want to find you on the socials, where so the going? socials, uh, the IGY six account. First off, more importantly, follow Next Wrong. Uh, what I do is a footnote to their story. So it's at Next Wrong. N e x t r u n g. The website's nextwrong.org. Uh, you can find IGY6 at NYC underscore IGY6, the number six fitness. And myself, if you feel so inclined, is uh, is Chris at, uh, sorry, Chris underscore IGY6 fitness. Um, but like I said, that what we do is a footnote to Nextwrong, and that's the most important thing. Um, right now, IGY6 is just a, a chapter in in the story that is next wrong and, and the story that, that that is constantly being written um so what they do oh shit what they do is invaluable and i encourage you guys anyone who's listening to get them a follow yeah, absolutely donate buy their merch do something to help them out pretty solid yeah. merch it's, it's exactly. some nice stuff it's pretty good stuff oh yeah there. you know so donate help them help the cause because these are responders going out of their way to help other responders. And, and everybody involved about. with next wrong peer, peer support counselor, board member. Um, it's 110% volunteer. We do this on the arm. We collect nothing. So we operate purely off the generosity of the community as a whole. So, and again, if there's any questions as to, Hey, you know, you guys are doing all this stuff. Where's the money going? Ask us. We'll tell you. We'll tell you exactly where it's going and what we're doing. Um, and if anybody's going to be at FDIC, check out the next wrong booth. We're going to be there. 
uh, along with some of our, our supporters. Blake's going to be there. I'll be there. My beautiful wife is going to be there. So come by, say what's up, meet us. Unfortunately, I won't be able to be at FDIC this year, but um, definitely, who's ever going, check out Next Rung. Say hi. Are you selling anything there? Do any donations? Oh, there? we're gonna have we're gonna have, we're gonna have merch. Uh, we actually have a couple of new things being rolled out. Some really cool, just you know, not overly buffy designs, but some again, whatever right. we sell, the proceeds go right back to the work that we're doing. It goes back one hundred and ten percent to the work Next Rung does. Uh, there was an information card going around, and I think it was every thousand dollars we raise helps get uh, four first responders sessions of therapy. So a, a little bit of money goes, and again, I, I hope to God I, I said that number right. If not, I'll correct it somehow. Um, but even small donations make a big difference. So you don't have to be uh, a two, three thousand uh, dollar donor, which we are appreciative though, and we, and we gently do it because it does make our lives easier. So we're not in the process of having to scramble for money when it's needed. But every dollar we raise goes toward therapy sessions, inpatient treatments, outpatient treatments. We have our support line, which is active twenty four seven. And uh, I get I I don't have the information card. I should know this number off the top of my head. But we'll, we'll throw, I guess we'll throw in the comment section. Um, I'll put it yeah, in. you're getting a hold of either an active service firefighter or retired firefighter, but you're going to talk to somebody who isn't just a paid spokesperson for a better choice of words. We're people who have, have done the job, are still on the job, and have gone through it in some way, shape, or form. And that's the best way to be. 110%. So... I think we're good man i think we did i think we covered a lot more than we thought like i said so i want to thank you first for coming on but i really want to thank you for what you're doing man what you're doing for the for the community in the mental health space in the fitness space and just the health of a person overall it matters it really does it makes a difference because not too many people would do what you're doing on both levels and come out and talk about it the way you're doing and really, really helping and getting the money raised to continue helping people. Even There's after. a good chance I'm not on this podcast or talking to you or, you know, anything for that matter, if it wasn't for what Next Wrong did for me uh, and what they continue to do for me. Uh, like I said, I, I, I do have the pleasure of, of serving as a board member, but doesn't mean that, you know, what I go through as far as a, a struggle goes or the ability or the need to talk to someone ever actually ends. I'm just able to maybe relate a little bit more because I'm somebody who got, went through it and went through some very dark times. And that's not everybody's story with next one, but there's a lot of people who, who are on our, who are on our board, who are part of our peer support group, who do, who have gone through some serious, for, for, who have gone through some serious shit. So you're not talking to somebody who's like, oh, man, that sucks and has never gone through it themselves or has gone through something similar to it. You're talking to someone who has dealt with mental health in some way, shape or form. And that means a lot, man, that you're coming out after you're dealing with it and then helping people who do are going through it. It's powerful. It's impactful. And uh, it can't be taken, taken for granted. And, you know, it means a lot. 
So thanks to Next Wrong for everything they're doing. Thank you for everything you're doing. Appreciate that, Amen. brother. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Amen. Amen. You're welcome back anytime. If Let you me know. Come on, you, just, you, you could just ask me. Seriously, you could just text me like, hey, man, I want to talk. Or I will talk about, I talk about anything. You let me know what you need. Anything, man. I'll talk, you know, talk about anything. Yeah, so, man. I'm going to wrap this up. And uh, so don't forget to check out Next Wrong. Follow them. Follow Chris. Follow the throwdown. Donate to it all. We're doing that because yes. that's what we do. We help those that help others in their time of need. That's what it's all about. And we're going to close it out. Until next time, work hard, stay safe. And as always, live inspired. today's episode of the five tool firefighter podcast if you like what you heard and you want to hear more please subscribe to our podcast on apple spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts also please leave us a rating and don't forget to pick up the book the five tool firefighter available on amazon at the firehouse until next time work hard stay safe and live inspired